I'm going to ask you to bear with me this morning. My voice isn't cooperating. It must be from the basketball season and all the yelling that I'm doing to the boys. So we're in our second Sunday in the Advent season. And we lit the first Advent candle last week that represented hope. And we learned that Advent means coming, this arrival. And it's in this season that we hope and we pray for that peace and harmony for our world today. When we light these candles, we are reminded and we celebrate that hope, the hope of the prophets and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We continue to trust in God's promises that Christ will fill our lives and that he'll fill the lives of the people in the world with that hope. This morning we lit the second candle, peace. It reminds us that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. During the season of Advent, we are not only waiting with anticipation for Jesus to come for his arrival, but we are also preparing ourselves. As we've heard, preparation is a major theme throughout this Advent season. Preparation is defined as the action or the process of making ready or be made ready for use or for consideration. We are readying ourselves for something or to be a participant in some particular way. If you know me, then you know that I'm an avid gamer. And by that I mean I love playing board games, card games, group games, any kind of games really. But the, the term really is distinctly for video games. Do I have any other people who like video games with me? We got some. And so I get excited when they announce a new game, especially if it comes off the heels of a game that I played before, a sequel to it. And so I get excited, and there's an obvious next course of action that needs to happen. I need to prepare myself. And that preparation is going back and playing that game before. We've been there, right? And again, I'm not talking about video games for you guys, but who likes TV shows or movies or books, right? When a new book, when a new movie is announced, we get excited, especially if we enjoyed the first one in the series. And so we'll go back, we'll reread those books. We'll go back and binge watch that TV show to get, or to get ready for the next season. And so we have to prepare ourselves for what is happening, especially if the book ended with unanswered questions or it left on a cliffhanger. So we prepare ourselves. We prepare for what is to come. Preparation is in order. And many of us are already preparing right now during this Christmas season, right? We're getting our homes ready for family and friends to come over. We're preparing how we're gonna attack the battlefield that is the mall this holiday season, right? 
Buckland Hills is always a disaster with traffic. The mall is always swamped with people, and so we have to game plan. All right, how am I going to get there? I'm, let, me, let me go the back way. Oh, this is the parking lot that I'm going to park in, so it's not as busy. We're game planning. We're, we're getting prepared. We have to prepare the, just the, the right Christmas photo for our Christmas card, right? We have to have the right outfit. We have to have the right location so that we can have the perfect photo. Thank you to Carrie and to Willie for taking our Christmas photos, for making us prepared and ready for this holiday season. But we are in a season of preparation. We have poured a lot of time into our Christmas preparation. But how much are we spending time preparing our hearts, preparing our lives for Christ's arrival in this Advent season? What is this idea of preparing for Jesus? And the Gospel of Mark kind of offers us some insight of how we can prepare for Jesus and the excitement that comes with that much anticipated coming of the Messiah. Mark's good news doesn't start with the birth story like Matthew's does. It doesn't start with the birth story of John the Baptist like we find in Luke. It doesn't start at the beginning of time like John Gospels does. No, rather, his good news begins with harking us back to the words of the prophets. A unique way to introduce the good news of the person who will restore his people and usher in this new kingdom. But before we jump back or jump into our scripture, let me set the scene, let me set the context and the setting of where we're at. It's during this time that God's people were back in their homeland, back from exile, but they still, were, they still weren't free. The Roman Empire had, had set up shop, they had occupied their land, and they did so with this ruthless efficiency. And the people were divided about what to do. Some people were like, let's take up arms. Let's rebel. Let's fight back. Let's push these oppressors out of our homeland. Let's get them out of here. While other ones kind of sought more of a, a peaceful approach. Let's, let's kind of secure ourselves and find a path of peace so that we don't stir up any trouble. And there was great tension between the Israelites over what to do with these foreign occupiers. They still had this remnant of exile in Babylon in their mind and they're thinking, we're free, right? We're free, we're home. But they're still longing for this restoration that they heard about so long ago that the prophets promised and spoke about. They were also divided about what God would do. They haven't heard anything since the prophet Malachi. And so many just kind of gave up and just went on with life. We haven't heard anything, so I guess God has forgotten about us. But some still kind of clung. They still hung their lives on the promises that were made. The promise that God would once again dwell in their midst. That the temple would once again be God's earthly dwelling place. 
and that they would thrive once again, that they would be restored. Mark uses these same promises and the prophets to point them to the newness that is to come. So if you have your scripture, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you join me in the Gospel of Mark? We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. If you are able, would you join me in standing for the reading of God's Word? Mark chapter 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. The beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, is how the gospel is started in Mark. This sounds very promising. The start of good news is coming, it's arriving. Mark wanted them to understand the narrative like we might read in Genesis. Newness is coming. This story of Jesus is a creative one. Something is new, is on the horizon. And God is at work in this newness. I have mentioned before in a sermon that the meaning of good news is gospel, and they get used interchangeably. The word gospel in Jesus' day means good news of victory from the battlefield, and it extends into the promise of peace and prosperity that God's kingdom has to offer. Mark's story is truly good news from the battlefield. It is truly a story of victory over the forces of darkness and evil, and it's ushering in a new kingdom, a kingdom of peace. Mark is drawing them back to the Old Testament. Our, our text says, as written in Isaiah the prophet. But the following verses don't come from Isaiah alone. John kind of mashes up a couple of different passages here. He uses text from uh, Exodus 23, 20, Malachi 3, 1, and Isaiah 40, verse 3. And this idea of combining passages um, was fairly common in the Jewish interpretation. Right? This passage often is interpreted in this messianic way. Mark is providing a, a pretty critical link between the newness of what Jesus will do 
and God's action in and through the people of Israel. Eugene Boring, commentator, says, Mark is saying, in a way, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the following narrative are in accordance with what God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And we see throughout Israel's history, God has been preparing his people for the work that he wants to do. He sent messengers to proclaim what he is going to do. And these messengers always began to prep God's people for how to live a faithful life. Throughout these passages, Mark is jogging Israel's collective memory. A voice is calling in the wilderness. This reminds Israel how that they were completely dependent upon God. It was in the wilderness that God shaped and formed the Israelites to be his people. They received the law in the wilderness. They received manna from heaven, water from a rock, clothes that didn't worn out while they were out in the wilderness. And now Mark is leading God's people back to the wilderness, but in a new, in a fresh, and in a unique way. John emerges from the wilderness with a message, and that message is of repentance and baptism for the forgiveness of sins. He's dressed like this crazy-looking mountain man. Well, that's at least how I kind of picture him, right? He has this full, matted beard, right? He's wearing these dirty, dingy clothes with a, a leather belt wrapped around him. He probably still has honey stuck in his beard from what he's been eating. And he's telling people, repent, confess, be baptized. Nowadays, that sounds like the crazy man on the corner that we kind of cross to the other side of the street in order to avoid, right? But for the people in the first century, during this time, this was a sign, a sign that something's coming, something is happening, God is at work. And so this caused people to go out to the wilderness in droves to see what is happening. It says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem came out to see him. Thousands of people came out to hear John's message. And maybe, maybe this is another reminder to them. Could this be the prophet? Could this be Elijah? Right? This sounds like his clothing that he would wear. This sounds very familiar to us. Or possibly, could it be the Messiah himself? Who is this person? I have to know. Mark tells us that John isn't the Messiah, but he is actually the one who is calling from the wilderness. He is preparing for the one to come. John is saying, no, no, it's not me. It's not I that you should be looking forward to. No, it is the one who will come that you should be looking forward to, who comes after me. I am not fit. I am not worthy to even get down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
And it's interesting in the other gospels, we get a different John. We get a, a John with a bit stronger judgment. Right? You brood of vipers, how dare you try to flee the coming wrath? We don't get that in Mark's gospel. We get a messenger, we get a herald who is bringing good news. A person in John who was viewed as a sign that something is happening and that John is telling the people, we need to get prepared. You need to be ready. God is about to do something big. Something new is on the horizon and you need to be ready. And I think this readiness, this preparedness, comes through a time of confession and repentance. John's baptism marked one's turning back to God in total surrender as a preparation for the greater one who would bring salvation. Through this particular act, he carried out his task of preparing the way for the Lord. Like the prophets of old, John called all of God's people, regardless of their standing in Israel, to a time of repentance. More than sorrow or remorse, it included this, this reorientation of one's whole being, of one's whole life. That was his message. And this kind of has me reflecting during this season. What does preparing for Jesus look like? Especially in this Advent season, right? We heard this morning, like Jesus has already come, right? This, has, this doesn't shock us, this doesn't surprise us. We know the story, we hear the story every single year during this time. Right, we don't get the birth narrative from Matthew or Luke in our text this morning, but we still do get Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man coming. So how are we preparing ourselves this season for Jesus' coming? And I believe and I think that it may be through John's words that we can prepare ourselves. John is saying that it is through a time of confession and repentance that we can be prepared. This Advent season starts our Christian calendar, right? But our physical calendar, we're at the end of our year. And so maybe this preparation looks like a reflection time, that we're reflecting back over our year and really kind of evaluating kind of the state of our relationships. That we're evaluating where we put our priorities this year. How have we grown in our relationships with others? How have we grown in our relationship with God? Maybe it's a time that we confess and we repent that maybe our priorities got a little mixed up. That we just didn't do it, it right this year. 
that we can confess and that we can repent anything that may have hindered or stood in between us and God. We have an opportunity to make that right today. Perhaps this preparation is maybe a preparation for the future and what is to come. That God is preparing you for something that is coming soon or that is coming in the next year. We know that we're not exempt from the hardships, from the trials of our world. That we have to deal with the things that the world throws our way. And perhaps this season of Advent is an intentional time of preparation for us to be able to overcome and make it through those difficult times and those trials that we face, along with God's strength and the encouragement and the support that we have from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Perhaps it's a call that God may be placing on your life. Maybe this time is a time of preparing us for what God may be calling us to or to who in this next year. That this intentional time of preparation is helping us to get ready to step into how God may be calling us to participate in building his kingdom. We see in Mark's gospel that John took on the role of announcing good news of salvation rather than the coming judgment. John was preparing God's people for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. And perhaps that is the preparation that is needed for us this morning. How are we preparing ourselves? How are we preparing others and pointing them to Jesus? Again, Jesus has come. We know the story. So how are we preparing for that in this season? And so maybe that is a time of reflection, whether it's at your seats or at the altars, they're always open. But maybe that comes in that preparation that is needed. That we're spending a time in just confession that God, maybe I didn't have my priorities right this year. Or help me, give me opportunities, prepare me for what is happening next. As I have Aaron come and lead us in our, in our song as we close, the Advent season gives us a chance to have a new beginning. This good news that we have, that he has come, that he is coming, we have the opportunity to make things right in our preparation if we need to. That we can be prepared to join in on the work that God is doing in his world, in a world that is desperate need of his love and his mercy. So my question to you guys this morning is, 
how are we preparing ourselves for Christ's coming? What needs to happen so that we can be prepared for him? Is it a time of reflection? Is it a time of confession and repentance? Of reprioritizing things in our lives? So that we can say, come, O Lord Jesus, come in our life and in the world. So as you sing this song, I just, my prayer is that you'll reflect whether it's in your seats or at the altar, that you reflect over that question, am I prepared? How am I prepared to step in to what Jesus may be saying to me in this new year? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this season of Advent, Father that we get the anticipation, we get the excitement of what is to come, Lord. That you stepped out of your home, that you stepped out of heaven and you came and you dwelled among us, Lord. That you pointed us again to your Father. That you ushered in this new kingdom of peace, of love, of joy, and one of peace, Lord. And so I pray that during this season of Advent, Lord, that we can just be in a time of intentional preparation. That this preparation can come in many different forms, Lord. Preparing ourselves by reflecting over our past year. Preparing ourselves for what you could be asking us to do. Preparing ourselves for what new thing may be coming soon in the next year, Father. Lord, I pray that you can prepare us, that you can prepare us for your coming now and in the future, Lord. So, Father, we ask you to come dwell among us, Lord, and speak to us this morning. We ask this in your son's precious and holy name.
with your light to lead us on driving the darkness far from our soul That leaves 21 days of December left, three weeks of time. I'd like to invite you to join me in an exercise. At least three times a week, find 30 minutes to be silent before God. You might present questions to him like, Lord, speak to me. Show me if there's something in my life that I should be correcting or... You might want to devise a sentence that says, Lord, help me understand you better, understand my life better. I don't know what questions you might pose, but 30 minutes of silence. And I'm old enough now that my house is regularly rather quiet, but I remember a few years back when it wasn't so quiet. And there were plenty of years when I would have been hard pressed to find 30 minutes of silence in my house. But you would be surprised at how good the noise canceling earbuds are on Amazon, right? And you don't even need those. You can get those little orange ear things that you squish up and stick in your ear to blot out the noise of kids and other things. I think that 30 minutes of quiet three times a week would help us embrace this Prince of Peace a little better and might even give us the time that we need to hear what God's saying to us. Because if we're honest, we keep ourselves pretty busy. And even if the things we're busy with aren't necessarily productive or profitable, we find a way to keep ourselves busy. And we're not going to hear the still small voice of Jesus if we don't have that time of quiet. Three times a week, 30 minutes a shot, that's how much time? Four and a half hours for the month? Yeah, not that much time. You may find by the end of December you want to do it every day. Would you stand to receive the benediction? And now may the peace of Christ guard your hearts and may his peace hold you before his presence that you might reflect his glory now and always. Amen. Go in peace.